Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Growth Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that can allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over 50 million pounds worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. So should we welcome to the stage the uber successful Mark Wright? I, I get asked to do a lot of these, but I generally say no because up until this, I'm retired now. I look very young to be retired, but this is my first week of retirement. But I have it on good information from the people who run the London Business Show that um, I just spoke there a couple of weeks ago, that my talk was the equal most attended talk. And that, <laughs> and that really pissed me off. I was fuming. I was fuming. <laughs> because everywhere I speak, I get the biggest audience. Every, you know, you'll understand why in a bit. Um, <laughs> Anyway, and then I said to the lady, obviously, I got the most people. She said, equal first. And I said, Who's, who got the other amount of people to, to me? I, I was, they were swinging from the rafters. This guy. So if he's asked me to come and speak here, I thought I'd better see what he's all about and, and come here. <laughs> so thank you very much for having uh, me. No, well, brilliant, to to, brilliant to have you. So look, some amazing results, amazing thank success. You. We had a really good podcast, didn't we? And amazing. you know, I've, I felt like we were very much in tune in terms of marketing branding and that's why i was so keen to get you here because you're the marketing stuff you've done do you know ironically the case study that i showed you earlier of palm uh, mark was working with palm at the same time through that journey yeah. so you helped him scale his marketing and his advertising as well didn't you definitely as a client which he's, is really a, he's an amazing guy he understands that you need to spend money on marketing he understands his business he understands his industries in a good industry uh, so many people that I've worked with over the years, um, I think the biggest thing that I understood when I got into my uh, to, to business and all I wanted to do when I was a kid was be rich and be successful. When I was a young boy, I just wanted to be rich. I didn't understand how I'd make that happen. And I understood something that I think most business owners still don't understand today. The reason that holds most business back from scaling is not enough people know about them. And I understood that no matter what industry you're in or what business you're in, the more people that know about you can buy your stuff. And it doesn't matter what your stuff is, whether you're selling haircuts, property, whatever, the more people who know you sell that stuff can buy it from you. So I just cut out the middleman and got into marketing because I was like, I can do that for myself by understanding marketing. And I think if I had to summarize why I'm sitting here today with the biggest exit ever for Alan Sugar is because I understood how to sweat my name and the brand. And before I went on The Apprentice, my issue was no one would meet me. I was a service business. I was selling digital ads. And who gets an email from an Indian guy trying to sell you SEO every day? All of us, <laughs> 100 times a day. So I was one of those guys, albeit not Indian. <laughs> so uh, I'm this Australian guy going around trying to sell digital marketing and no one would meet with me, zero. I, I'd ring a carpet shop, can I come and talk to you about Google Ads? And fuck off, piss off, all this stuff down the phone. So I was like, I need to figure out a way to get meetings with people, 
to get more attention. So I was looking at ways to do it, and that's why I went on The Apprentice, because that gave me instant credibility, and it gave me instant eyeballs. The first call, or the second or third call I got after I won The Apprentice was for a meeting with Emirates to do their marketing. I was still the same person. I still knew the same stuff. I'm still living in the same house. The only thing that changed was the amount of people who knew who I was and what I did. And if your business is not where it is, where you want it to be right now, it's because not, not enough people know about you and what you do. It's just nailed on, you know, the whole message of branding. And you've got that down to a T, Mark, I think, the branding side of it, 100%. So I want to get into that. But actually, we fast-forwarded into... <laughs> that was like the, the quickest life story ever. Like, bang, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to go back. Because actually, I remember when we talked on the podcast that really the skills, branding's one you got to know really well. Yes. And we just had a really interesting chat outside. Um, marketing, sales. Mm -hmm. But it all started in sales for you, did it not? Yeah. And I think if you, if you need any skill in life to be successful in business, it's sales. And I fell into sales by accident through, stu through pure stupidity. Uh, I was in the half of the class at school which made the top half possible. Um, I finished... <laughs> I, finished... yeah, I was in that half as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I finished with no grades, um, all of that. I don't want to give you that sob story. It's not like, look at this dumb guy that's now rich. Uh, <laughs> I just didn't apply myself properly. Uh, I, uh, all I was interested in was, was football and girls and all of that stuff. Um, and I just did poorly. And the only thing I, I couldn't get any qualifications, I couldn't get into university. The only thing I could do uh, was become a gym membership consultant, selling gym memberships. And I just learnt sales through that. And I understood the art of selling. And I think that that really changed my life forever. Because I think the biggest things that are overlooked in business is, is sales and branding. Yeah. And, and if you nail those two elements and you can teach those two elements, you'll never need new customers because you'll always have them in abundance. And if you solve that problem, you, you then the question is, is, where do I want to take my business? So I fell into sales. I mastered sales because it was competitive and I loved the competition. And uh, the rest, they say, is, is relative history. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Sales is such a skill set that's often overlooked. So where did you go from the gym membership <laughs> to what happened next after you started selling those gym memberships? And how good, are you, how good were you at it? Well, that's, that's a really good question. So I was working in Brisbane. I, I grew up in a town in the outback in, in Australia, uh, and my nan still handwrites me letters. Um, she's not figured WhatsApp out yet. And um, <laughs> in my last letter update, she's told me that Armadale, the town I'm from, we've just got our first set of traffic Armadale, lights. Really? Yeah. I've been, I went there. You've been to Armadale? Well, yeah, my friend uh, James was playing professional football for that's Armadale. That's never happened. I swear to you, in Western Australia, Perth, yeah? No, there's three Armadale. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. In New South Wales, I was going to say, I don't even know anyone that's been to Armadale and I live there. So um, we just got our first set of traffic lights. We're really on the up and up. And um, it's, it's, it's in the outback. So I moved from Armadale to Brisbane and um, I got my personal training certificate as part of the gym I was working for. And I started training one of the richest guys in the country just by pure luck. And uh, he was a really rich guy. He owned the equivalent of British Gas, but in Australia. And I said to him, Dave, how do I get rich? And he said, the people who make all the money are in marketing and sales. And I was like, 
okay, I just got my personal training qualification. And um, I was like, <laughs> shit. Um, and I was like, so, and he's like, if you want to make more money, you need to learn one of two skills better, marketing or sales. And I was like, right. So I quit my job as a personal trainer when I worked at the college where I did my personal training certificate. And um, the guy there had invented a system because Australia is such a vast country. People used to do school on the radio because um, it was six, seven hours to go to a nearest town. Um, and he invented a system where you could upload a curriculum and uh, study it online. It was like revolutionary, but he wasn't getting any sales. It was a great product. His product was exceptional, but no one knew about it. And the first month I worked there, we got $2,000 in sales, and he was going bankrupt, and he was so stressed. We were working in his house, in his garage, and I said to this guy, his name's Don, we need to get more sales. What are you doing for marketing? And he said, I've put us in the yellow pages. I don't know what's going on. I was like, Don, no one reads the yellow pages. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's like craziness. And remember that book where like, you had like names in it and stuff. It was like the most insane thing. Um, so I was like, you need to get on Google. And he's like, I have no idea how to do that. So I was like, let me try. So I made a WordPress website put the course into the website in through a backend, and I SEO'd the website, and we went from uh, not on Google to number one on Google for the term personal training courses, and in three months, we went from $2,000 in sales to $250,000 a month. Wow. And I learned a very important lesson. Ask for equity in someone's business before <laughs> you make it successful. Before you make it yeah. <laughs> Because he wasn't too keen on giving me a slice of the action after he's now getting a quarter of a million a month. But I had that light bulb moment that I think most of us entrepreneurs in this room will understand. That was the first time I knew what I was going to do with my career because I was good at it. I enjoyed it. I wasn't watching the clock looking for five o'clock because I was... I was really good at something, and for a stupid kid from the outback in Australia who was never good at anything, it was the first time in my life I was really good at something. And uh, I understood as well, because I was seeing as I got each keyword up the rankings on Google, the pounds literally going into this guy's bank account, I was literally <laughs> like, this is a license to print money. Marketing is a license to print money. And it was like I'd discovered fire. I was literally <laughs> like, this is unbelievable. How does no one else know this? People know this about marketing, but they don't know how to do it. So I was like, okay, I need to go and either do this for myself or show other people how to do this. And that's what set me off uh, on my journey. So, but before I um, uh, did that, I went and did what every Australian does and backpacked around Europe. Um, so I packed up a it's rucksack. It's funny because we all go over to Australia. Australia yeah. <laughs> we come over here for some reason and, and play in the snow. Uh, my fiance can't believe how excited I get about snow. That's like the second time I've ever seen snow. Um, and you can take some. I'll go and you'll see me out there rolling in the snow, making money angels. Um, <laughs> so I got over here. I was backpacking around Europe, and um, and uh, I basically backpacking was really good for for booze and uh, partying, but wasn't so good on the wallet. I ran out of money. Had to go to the closest place which spoke English, which was London. I was living in a hostel called the White Ferry House in London. I had 172 pounds. Um, to my name on the first week that I got here to the UK. And I don't want to digress because I know we've got a lot of ground to cover today, but I get so upset when I see people. I came to this country um, 
with no, literally no money. I had 172 pounds. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I sit here to you, in front of you today, as a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. And it, it, it deserves a round of applause, right? Thank you. It's, uh, and I am nothing special. I am nothing special. I am a, a hard-working, uh, dedicated to my craft type individual. I watched a video yesterday of Richard Branson saying he didn't know how to read a P&L until he was 51 years old. <laughs> he didn't know. He he was in a board meeting at Virgin, already worth two billion pounds. 2 billion, and someone said gross profit, and he didn't understand the difference between net profit and gross profit, and he was already worth 2 billion. Now, that tells you, if I can do it, and Richard can do it, anyone in this room can do it, it just takes dedication to whatever it is that you're doing. And the amount of excuses that I hear about, oh, this country and this stuff and whatever, I was living in a hostel, man, with 100 pounds. It's not that hard. It really isn't that hard. I I'm here to tell you, I think we've got to stop making excuses and really focus on our goals and dreams. It, it makes me sad to see people not achieving what they should be achieving because I think in this country it's super easy. And I sit here as, as proof um, to that, but I, I digress. No, no, I love that. So if we're looking, what are the elements for you? You'd say, if we're going to take someone, we're going to grow them, we're going to accelerate them. What do you think? Do you know what? I did a podcast yesterday in London with um, Wilfred, the black farmer. Do you know him? Yes. yes yeah, great guy. And he actually asked me some wicked questions. So I might nick a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> but he said to me, he, we were doing this podcast, and he said to me, he was like, Adam... The point of the podcast is I want, to, I want to get across that you're weird. And I was like, okay. He said, I want to get across your abnormality. What's abnormal about you? And I was like, that's weird. And he was saying, no, because he said, real success. He said, if we can show people the abnormalities of people that are successful and actually point them out to people, then people can use those abnormalities to become the successful themselves. <laughs> so what would you say is the, what's the screw loose you've got, Mark? I got a lot. <laughs> It's a good question. I've not been asked that one before. It threw me as well. <laughs> I mean, we're all weird, right? Uh, we're all weird and we're all sort of got our own quirks and ticks that make us unique. And, and anyone who puts together a, uh, this presentation that they're a perfect person is, is, is full of shit because we're all weird. We've all got our thing. We all need to just play to our strengths. I was this stupid kid at school and the only thing I understood how to do well was cheat, was uh, <laughs> steal and cheat and replicate. So I made that into making me successful. I used what I had. I'll give you an example. I went to the apprentice tryouts um, with my friend Blake in 2012 after four banks wouldn't give me a £25,000 loan for, to start a company because I'm not from the UK. So I had to take an unconditional funding route. Um, I went to the apprentice tryouts with 75,000 other people, um, and I got through 75,000 um, people into the final 1,000, into the final 100, onto the final 20, which went on to series 10 of The Apprentice. Normally in The Apprentice, they have 12 or 14 contestants, but in series 10, my year, uh, they had 20 because it was the anniversary series. So statistically, that makes me the greatest of all time. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I digress again. So what, what's the, the point of my story? This is why I'm weird. When I got called from the BBC production to tell me that I was going to go on to The Apprentice, 
I used my childhood skill of uh, success leaves clues. If it's been done before, it can be done again. Yeah. We've all heard the story about Roger Bannister. No one ran the four-minute mile. He does it. Then 20 people do it the next month. The human mind is incredible. I went on Wikipedia and wikipedia everyone who'd ever won The Apprentice. I watched each series back and I tracked the winner through each series. And I understood which tasks to put yourself forward through, which ones not to put yourself forward through, when to speak, when not to speak, etc. I understood statistically if you put yourself forward as a project manager in week one, you have a 75% chance of getting fired, right? So I did what I've always done. I just watched someone who'd gone and done it before. I did the same things, just like baking a cake, and I had to get the same results. Bang, I won The Apprentice. Before that, when I got my first job in the UK, I told you I had 170 pounds. I went and worked in a call center doing like the fast dialing thing. Now, if you want a shit job, that is a shit job. The thousand calls a day. And I think it's the best job. Oh, it is. Yeah, it, yeah. it changed my life. Yeah. But boy, that was a hard job. Tell them why it changed your life, because I, I love that. I often, I've often recommended to people to do it. Uh, they, they say that uh, two years or, uh, of door-to-door -door selling or cold calling will give you the equivalent of a communications degree. I think it's ten times more, personally, from having honed those skills myself because of how hard it is and the mental fortitude you need to get your ass to that telephone each day, the willpower it takes to sit there and get abused and to try <laughs> and get your message across when people already don't want to speak to you is incredibly difficult. Um, and when I first got to the call center, it had 500 employees in it. Remember my story about success leaves clues and what I did for The Apprentice. This is going back before that. I said here, who makes the most money out of these 500 <laughs> reps? Oh, the, the, the fellow up there in the beard, uh, he's a funny looking guy. Um, he, he, he makes um, 35,000 pounds a month. What? He makes 35,000 pounds a month tele telephoning people. Yeah. Put my desk there next to that guy. <laughs> so I, and then the next guy next to him, Joel Smith, he makes the second most, 23,000 pounds. I remember it like it was yesterday. So right, I want my desk next to those guys. Whatever they say on that telephone is going to come out of my mouth, right? I broke every record they had month after month after month, and everyone was thought I was like the second coming of Jesus. They're like, what is this guy doing? Is it the Australian accent? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? And I was like, you meatheads. I was doing nothing other than copying the guy who makes the highest pay packet. And the best advice I ever got in business was surround yourself with the people that you want to be. Surround yourself with the people that you want to be in five years and you will be them. Well, rather than go to the pub with the noodles that were making 1,200 pounds a month, I went with a guy that was making 35,000 pounds a month and all of a sudden I was making more money and doing more and getting the promotions, etc. And everyone thought I was some genius and I would kind of felt like I was a criminal because I was just stealing what he was doing and doing it and then I was like, how is no one else doing this? But I keep doing that at nauseam in my career, to win The Apprentice, to be, be the best at the cold calling place um, and, and other things that I've gone on and achieved, is I've just surrounded myself with people who have achieved those things, listened to their advice and done it, and then I've got the results and it shocks everyone else. It's fascinating, <laughs> really. <laughs> no, it's an incredible story. And going moving on to climb online, right? So you yes. won The Apprentice, so you got the opportunity to go and build this business. Now, 
I've been very aware of Mark's business, initially because Palm told me about him using you, and he really did, as a marketing business, achieve outstanding results for clients. Thank you. People raved, raved about his company. Do you know what? Actually getting people to leave your company and to actually move and do business so people wouldn't do it. They yeah. absolutely loved you, didn't they? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. How did you build, because you built a fantastic client loyalty. Yeah. So I've known a lot of Mark's clients over the years and I've worked with them directly, trained them on their businesses. And then I went, because I'm telling them to spend money on marketing, to get into marketing, to get return investment. They off, they've often ended up using Mark's business. Thank you. And they've done incredible things. So what did you do to cultivate that loyalty? <laughs> I'd like to get that across to some of the people here. How do you build outstanding client relationships, get into them and stay working with them for a long period of time, in your mind? Okay. Now, this is, I guess, my secret sauce. This is my, if I'm the colonel, this is my secret recipe. Uh, that I understand, I think, better than, than, than most business owners is everything matters in your business. Every, everything matters. Every, how you do anything is how you do everything. You cannot just uh, make up a little bit of the detail because it will ripple in to the rest of your business. And what do I mean by that? It starts with the name, the brand of yeah. your company. So let's think about the names of my company. My digital marketing agency, which I just sold, was called Climb Online. What a great name, Climb Online, for businesses who want to go online and be successful. I own the biggest PR agency in Birmingham called Make More Noise. I owned a That's a brilliant brand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I owned a successful hair and beauty product business, one of the biggest sellers of um, uh, Davines shampoo, which that will mean probably nothing to most of the people unless they're hairdressers in here. Um, is, uh, it was called Luxurious Look. Now, I believe that it needs to be simple. Taking most successful business people I've ever met can take complex systems and knowledge and make it easy for the consumer to understand. So that's step one. Step two is surround myself with great people. I understood I had limitations in my business, that I was good at certain elements and horrendous at others. And I hired people to complement what I didn't do well rather than trying to fine tune what I did badly and get better at it. I just forgot that, put it in the bin and hired people who were actually good at it. And I could focus on the things I enjoyed doing. And then I create this almost, I don't want to use the word cult, but I will because I can't think of a better word right now. I create a cult-like atmosphere with my employees and my customers that we are better than everyone else that doesn't use this business. <laughs> and uh, I, I would it. give a little speech to my employees about, I'm a football fan, I enjoy football. You have just got on the pitch at Real Madrid. How long you're on the pitch is up to you and what you do here for our customers. There's people, I've got people in my LinkedIn waiting for your job, my friend. So you better work hard, you better provide great service to our customers, and you will stay on that pitch. And if your name on my CV, you're going to have any job you want after here, but we're going to make a lot of success together as long as you are here. And you could sort of see them like, I've never been spoken to like this. Then I do another thing. So each point of reference in my business, when you'd get a certain milestone, you would get a certain piece of clothing as an employee. So after one year, I, took, I stole this from Sons of Anarchy, don't tell anyone. It's like, if you join, <laughs> I love a, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. You, if you join a motorbike cult after get one year, you yeah. get a, yeah. a cut, um, uh, uh, a, a thing. So I was like, I'm stealing that. So after one year, 
you get a, in front of the whole company, you get this specific jacket. And I created so much buy-in about this jacket that people would not leave this company because they wanted this jacket. It meant more than a pay rise. It meant more than money. And I would, we would stop the company and I would put the jacket on the employee in front of the whole company. And we would say things like, uh, you know, people have reported that when this jacket touches, you know, like their penis grows. It's like it's crazy. <laughs> Uh, also, their wealth grows, their confidence grows, their, uh, you know, the, the reports are crazy that, that, that happens once you have, like it was all fun and games and whatever, but what it meant to people. Jacket, oh, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was like a 15 quid jacket from the internet and everyone just wanted this jacket and we started having people apply to work for me who just wanted the jacket. Uh, and they just wanted to do these certain things and I really looked after the staff. I took them to Vegas four times, Dubai twice, uh, all sorts of stuff. And, and what I really understood is I've never met a millionaire or a billionaire who owns 100% of their company. People understand to be successful, you cannot go on your own. You can go far when you go together. And I gave away equity in my business to key people. When I got someone good and I found someone good, I gave them a slice of the action. That meant them stopping hounding me for pay rises all the time, and it meant they would work their socks off to drive my reputation and the company's forward. I, when I just sold two weeks ago, I made about five people multimillionaires. And um, that feels really good. That felt better than me making that money. I've changed a lot of people's lives, and when they invite me to their house for a barbecue and they own two houses and all of this stuff, that means more to me than the money I made myself, bringing other people on that journey. But what it meant, all of that to tell you that I had them focused on the customer. The most, don't listen to anyone, you're going to hear all this nonsense now about the most important thing in your business is the staff, is the culture, is the this and this and this. That's all horseshit. The most important thing in your business, bar none, is the customer. The customer... They, and, and as the internet changes and things advance, customers get harder to acquire. So that means as customers get more expensive or harder to acquire, it means the only new customers you're going to get are from the current customers you have and the referrals they bring, the easiest customers and the cheapest. And I work in marketing. The cheapest customer is one that one of your current customers already knows. Be what we call in my companies, brained out. Every step of the customer funnel and journey should be brained out. And I had a saying in my company, every new customer, my intention with them was to be my best friend. If they weren't my best friend or they didn't feel I was their best friend after using my service, I had failed them. And some of my customers at my 30th birthday was in Las Vegas as well. I've got an addiction to Las Vegas. But I looked out at my, uh, when I was giving my speech at my 30th birthday in Las Vegas a few years back, and most of the room was customers of Climb Online. And that's why my company su survived, because my customers felt I really cared about them. They felt I understood their business and their goals, and they felt I was on their team. And they wouldn't leave me. They were getting as many emails as you get about SEO and PPC and cheaper and better and newer and all of this stuff. And our churn rate was the lowest in the industry for eight years. Eight years, the lowest. It's because I was never always chasing that new customer. I was focused on the customers that I had. 
And that brought me more business than I could ever work on in 10 lifetimes. And um, that is the most important thing that I can leave you with is just, just that focus on that customer and that love and care and attention to that individual customer is so important because you already, all of you, will have enough customers in your business to make money as long as you live, but you're just not executing it in the right way. Maybe you're not cross-selling or upselling them enough. Maybe you're not giving them enough attention. But the answer to your wishes and goals is already in the customers that you have. Most people are sitting on a gold mine and they just haven't picked up the shovel, right? You, you've got it. You, yeah. I, that's the summary of my 20-minute rant there. He's <laughs> <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah. We were talking about branding earlier, right? And you saw a little bit of what we were doing, Mark. Um, and you said to me as we went out, you're just like, oh, my God, that's everything I do. Yep. Yep. So getting the review, you said to me that the reason that when you sold the business, so we can talk a little bit about maybe selling the business, exiting the business, which is a major achievement. No, one in the, no one's ever done that out of The Apprentice, have they? No, no it was the first apprentice business to ever third-party exit. Which um, is incredible, And isn't it was it? the biggest of Alan Sugar's uh, you know, investments. investments ever, yeah. Biggest investment sale ever that he's ever done from that business, which is incredible. And you were the CEO, the person that run it, you know, and co-owner. So it's an incredible result. And one of the things that you said is the difference between you getting two times EBITDA, two times earnings, to keep it simple, right, to, to net profit, you know, without tax. So two times that. So instead of getting two times that you went on to get nine times, mm. there was a reason, and you said to me outside that that reason was what we were talking about in here. So that's why I got nine times. So it's worth seven times more as a multiple because I was doing those things. So speak a little bit about that, Mark. Yeah, I think so it'd be good for I, people to hear. I got here, um, as you should, as a, as a good person, half an hour early, and I was just listening to, um, uh, to, to Adam's talk, and I was blown away at... You were probably going over things, and you probably weren't realising how important the stuff you covered, and I mean, I was only here for 20 minutes, and the stuff you covered, you can't realise how important that is until you come to sell your business. Some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not planning on selling my business. You will exit that business one day. You will either die, you will either sell it, or it will go under. Now, let's make sure we do the one that we all want and sell it, because you don't want to die in your inbox, and uh, you don't want to leave your kids a, a nightmare. Every great entrepreneur should have the goal of making themselves redundant in their business and selling it. And if that's not your goal, you need to go home and change it and look yourself in the mirror, because otherwise you're leaving other people headaches or your business is going to go downhill. So I understood that, and I um, most on, like Adam was saying, the average marketing company in the UK, when they sell, they exit for, on average, two times EBITDA, two times profit, means the number they get at the sale. I sold for nine and a half times profit, industry record. When I sold it, and we couldn't believe the multiple. When they made the offer, I, I had to hold my leg from not bursting out laughing like I just <laughs> robbed a bank, got out on the street and none of the cameras had seen me. So I, I was like, oh, well, you know, that sounds reasonable. Um, my leg's tapping under the table, <laughs> kicking Lord Sugar under the table. Um, we're like, we'll need to think about it, obviously. Uh, the only thing I needed to think about was, like, which first-class flight I'm going on next. Um, so... <laughs> We got outside and the areas that they identified where the multiple had come from, we had the most five-star Google reviews of uh, any digital marketing agency in the UK. We had the most testimonials and we'd won the most industry awards. Now, 
I used to get pissed off with the marketing department. They were spending £500 every single month on these award entries. And I was like, oh, but it all really mattered. Every testimonial, every Google review, because when a company comes to buy your business, and remember what I said, we're all going to sell because we're good entrepreneurs in this room, they don't just look at the turnover and the profit. Reputation is as fundamental as profit because they don't want to buy something that's super profitable that's got 3,000 one-star reviews. That, that's, that's giving them a headache. They're just buying a nightmare. No one wants to buy a nightmare. So all of these things matter because people, equity, private equity companies, VCs, uh, buy and build investors, what they're buying is more revenue and reputation to go and add to their current portfolio. And you've got to think of that. Always start with the end in mind. What am I trying to build to sell? And it, you need to be every day thinking, am I the bottleneck in my business? Am I redundant enough? And who am I going to sell to? And that will make you a better boss. And it will make you a better business person because you'll be making sharper decisions. Just an incredible explanation. Yeah, look. Absolute, you know, loved it. Loved it, Mark. So, you know, I should say, what's next, my man? Ah, uh, well, okay, so... <laughs> we already talked about I just proper, like... Yeah, you are hitting me with the hard questions <laughs> today. <sighs> um, so I always thought when I sold my business, um, I, I was very lucky in my career. I made a lot of money. And uh, people say, well, there's more to life than money. Uh, true. I've never heard a rich person say that yet, but it is true. <laughs> so... More to life than money. I always just wanted to make the money, though, just to understand that process. So I was very lucky in my career. I made good dividends and, and stuff like that, but I never made this level of money. This was crazy level. And when I opened my bank account and I looked in there, it was not what happened was not what I thought would happen. It didn't feel anything. Uh, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel bad. It didn't feel, uh, didn't feel like um, what I thought it would. Um, and where I, where I get the most passion and where I feel the happiest is when I come and help other, other business owners because uh, Adam said something again in the, in the half an hour. I just heard, I would love to stay for the day after that half an hour. He said that people at the top of that uh, graph, they get, a lot of, um, they get a lot from helping and paying it back to other people. And one day, um, I, was, I was traveling on uh, the speaking circuit with Grant Cardone. I don't know if you know who Grant Cardone is. And um, and Paul there um, had uh, driven Grant and I, took Grant and I to the airport in, in, in Cardiff. We're outside Grant's private jet and we were going to fly from Wales in Cardiff to, to Scotland to speak there. And as I went to walk up the steps of his private plane, he stopped me and he said, I, before you get on my, you're the first person outside of my family that I'm ever going to let on my private plane. But there's a rule, and you must make a, uh, this agreement with me if you're going to come on the, my plane with me. He said, I know as a successful entrepreneur when I'm looking at another successful entrepreneur. And he said that your promise to me must be, I know you're going to have your own private plane, and I know you're going to be a super successful billionaire. But the one rule you must agree to is when you have your own plane, that you bring an entrepreneur onto it, and you tell them everything that you know to help them on their journey because that's what I owe to you and that's what you owe to other people. And it, it really stuck with me and shocked me. And that flight for two hours to, um, to Scotland was the 
probably the best two hours of my life. He just told me everything he knew about business, about investing, about fundamental mistakes, uh, issues that he'd had, how to overcome them, people in his team. It was just, it was a really beautiful experience. Um, and uh, that stuck with me a lot. So bring it back to now, I'm sitting here retired, the money in the bank account didn't feel how it did. Um, my job now is I've been going around working with entrepreneurs, speaking to people. Normally, I'm uh, synonymous for not having meetings with people, refusing meetings, not writing back to WhatsApps, not being available. I make my time very precious, very hard to get hold of. When I started in my career, I went to as many uh, the hustle was real. I went to as many meetings as possible, spoke to as many people as possible, opened to as many opportunities until the point where I needed to be invested in the things I was invested in. I'm now free again. I've said yes to every single meeting request. I'm sitting as many meetings as possible, answering the phone, getting because I know when I meet the next right entrepreneur, I now have millions to invest in them. I have time to invest in them. And I've been mentored by Alan Sugar for eight years, Grant Cardone for two. I have knowledge that I owe to give to somebody else, and I have money. So that gives me an obligation now to create the You're next market. You're fucking pillaged in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you, you know, which is awesome. And to bring that mentality, you know, to want to help other people and to be on the lookout is incredible, really, to look for the next. We give Mark a massive, massive round of applause. Hey, look, have we got time to open up for a couple I'd of questions? I'd love questions, yeah. Yeah, yeah should we ask a few questions then? Who would like to ask us a question? So we're going to go to Carla first. We're going to have to do the mic run. Where's Gary? Where's Gary on mic run? Here he is. He's getting some exercise. Oh, that's Andrew. Yeah. Andrew. <laughs> but that's all right. Yeah, go Carla over here, here first, yeah. Hello. Thank you so much for coming and taking the time today. It's really, really inspirational, and it's sort of given us all the hope, I think, to see where your story, where you're from, to where you are now and what's achievable. Um, so with my business, so basically my name's Carla, I'm a dental and aesthetics practitioner and I'm starting to train as well, so I've got an academy as well. And my culture at the moment with my clients, it's very, we're all best friends. I could hold a massive party in here with every single client and everyone, they're good people and they all get along. The only thing is at the moment, because I am the bottleneck in the company, I'm the only one in it at the moment, um, they text me all the time. <laughs> they ring me all the time, and I love hearing from them. But I'm struggling with time. How did you maintain that, to have that best friend, which I want with them, but also run a business and do everything? Yeah. You need... Um, well, lovely to meet you, Carla. And I think you need to learn to be um, a bit rude, I'm afraid to say. Uh, and this is very... Uh, it feels a bit funny. When I work with most entrepreneurs, the number one problem when I work in going to anyone's business and their growth has stopped, most companies start, if you survive the first two years, which is a big if, because that first two years is bloody tough. Then you survive that, you have what's called exponential growth, and then what happens is it starts to plateau, that growth. And generally what plateaus that growth is the owner of that business. They become the bottleneck, they're doing too much in their company, and it stops the growth. And most entrepreneurs are the biggest problem in their own company. I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs I go and work with, and they're still sending invoices out of zero. And I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> well, you know, the bookkeeper charges £300 a month if I don't do it. And it's like, 
are you a bookkeeper? Why are you sending <laughs> zero invoices out of this? And then oh, I'm just going to empty the trash and do... And you're like, well, when do you actually do the work that makes you the, <laughs> the money? Um, and they're like, you know, sometimes uh, you need to think that... Do, you need to focus on what makes the margin. You're in a high margin, super lucrative industry. So that's really important. So you can get scale. Then what I created around me was like a founder's team. People around me who... I created barriers that if you needed a meeting with me, of course you have to go through my PA, or if you're before you can afford a PA, a VA, a virtual assistant, um, or someone, your number two. That number two is generally going to be operations or, or sales. You create them as a number two, and you make sure that people have to go through your number two to get to the number one. And you have to be synonymous or renowned for being very hard to get a hold of. If people can get you on WhatsApp, that's a bad thing. That's a really bad thing. One, for your productivity. Two, for your mental health, because you can only keep that up for so long before you burn out. And I didn't think burnout was a real thing until I fucking burnt out. Uh, <laughs> it is real. It is so, so real. Um, there's somewhere in the middle between... There's these people on Instagram um, who pretend they're millionaires and billionaires who have got no money... Um, they say you need to work 120 hours a week, which is bullshit. That's not true. And then you have other people who work at these big corporate companies who say you need to work three days a week. It's bullshit. It's probably somewhere in here, in the middle, which is realistic. And, but that is doing high-value tasks. You need to enjoy what you're doing. You need to do the jobs that make you money. And you can't speak to the customers too frequently or the employees because what does that take? Your time. If you're speaking to the customers, there's only a number of customers you can speak to in a day. That limits scale. So you create teams that speak to them. And your job as the big boss is to pop up at the parties where you can talk to people in mass. So I will come and speak to you all here today because there's 100 people in a room. If you said to me, I want a one-to-one -one mentoring session, never going to happen. Unless I've got shares in your company, don't waste your time even asking me because you cannot return me what I need to make in a one-to-one -one session. A hundred people can. So you need to start having that mentality of other people's job is to keep the customers happy and you speak in bulk at your company events, your Christmas party, you get around, you speak to the staff. And when you're with people, you're a hundred percent with them. When you see your key customer, you're not all sort of on your phone checking a booking. Oh, yeah, 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 it's good. Yeah, you look good. Um, really focus and be with people when you're with them, when you're with your staff, really listen to them. When you're with your customer, really listen to them. But then have a booking system. Never give your phone number out, ever. Never give your personal mobile number out. If I was you, I'd be off to EE after this to get a new mobile. And that would be the end of the other ones in the bin because you're going to have no balance or scale. Hope that helps. Yeah, that does. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> couple more questions. Who else got a question? Okay, I think over there at the back, Billy. Yeah, he's got his hand up. Yeah, who's got the mic? Go on, Gary. We've got to run, run, run. run. run Come run. on, boy. The number one question I get asked is on The Apprentice when the phone rings if we really only have 20 minutes to get ready. Uh, that's true. Uh, <laughs> the phone rings at 4am and we only have 20 minutes to get ready. So the girls do their makeup at midnight and lay in the bed with their makeup on it. It's a bit easier if you're a bloke. You just stink a bit. <laughs> Hello, Mark. Nice to meet you. I'm Billy. Uh, question regarding the sale of your business. Obviously, I've 
got a business and I'm nowhere near not selling yet, but I know the strategy at the end is to sell. Good man. Most people grow businesses, they never think of selling because it's their, in my case, it's my baby. Yep. When do you know the right time to say, I'm exiting, I'm going to start another move? Yeah, I mean, gosh, planning for a sale is the best thing you can do because you don't want to become a motivated seller, i.e. financial needs, death in the family, mm. these sorts of things, because motivated sellers normally pull their own pants get, down. Get demotivated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they are easy to manipulate to, to get a good deal. Uh, and it's good for a buyer, but not good if it's you. So planning for a sale is always key and have that goal in mind. You will know when it's the right time. You'll get a feeling. And by the way, if you've started a business from your bedroom, from scratch, wherever, like we probably all have in this room, it is everyone's baby and it hurts to sell it. It's sad to sell it, it's depressing to sell it, and there's a bit of an emotional roller coaster you go on after you sell it. But I can tell you if you've done it once, you can do it again. Uh, and it's better to exit and go out on top and try other things than just die on the vine in your current, in your current company. Because we're all human beings with human natures. We like excitement, we like adventure, we like to try new things. These people who tell me they've worked in the same company 40 years, I feel sorry for them. Um, that must be so friggin' boring. That must be so uh, unemotional and demotivating to turn up and do the same things every single day. Uh, and good on them if they're happy, but I don't think they are happy. I think uh, enjoyment and learning things and trying new things is the spice of life. And if you're an entrepreneur who's understood how to start a business from scratch, which is the hardest thing in business, starting a company, I would, I'm going to say this, I'll never start a business from scratch ever again. I've done it. I've done it a few times. I'd never do it again. Um, it's too hard. It's the mugs game to success and money. I would only buy businesses in the future or take shares in existing businesses. Most companies fail, 95% fail in within five years. Why would I get involved where I have a 95% chance of failure? I've done it. I've proved to myself and others I can do it. Now I want to stay away from that statistical mess. I only want to invest or buy in companies that have a long-standing track record of going forward. So what I would say to you is you'll know when it's the right time because you'll feel it or you'll get an exceptional offer that will make it the right time. <laughs> That like me, mm. you will then get an emotional depression afterwards, like I'm going through right now, where you <laughs> uh, you look at these lots of zeros in your bank account. It gives you no. I mean, this is probably really funny to hear it, and I've heard it said before, but I I'm going through it right now. It means nothing. It really means nothing. Getting enjoyment out what you do is is priority number one. Then. It's just thinking about what gives you passion and purpose to go forward and then investing or buying in something that's existed for a long time, that has a successful EBITDA P&L that you can add value to with the skill sets yeah. you've learned. It's called buy and build. Buy and build is the best strategy to growing super wealth and being successful um, statistically. Brilliant. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate no it. Good question there, Billy. Okay. Yeah, you got one? At the back? Are oh, you going to ask one, Ross? Okay. Hi, Ross, can you Ross is it. our head coach. Okay, yeah. I'll go easy. Hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mark, so there's a lot of people that are starting their business in this room and they're in their first, first year or second year. What word of advice would you give to those people who are just in the beginning stages of their journey? <laughs> um, so I always know a real business person when I meet them because I can see the pain in their eyes. Um, <laughs> 
It's like um, when you meet a new parent who's not sleeping and you can see the, the bags. Uh, that's like a new business owner. That pain of doing a startup, there is no pain like it. Um, I've done some crazy shit in my life, but starting businesses is, is, is by far the hardest and the most uh, you know, crazy thing you can do. The best, because you do this, you, you start your business, you realize, okay, we've got an order. Yes, we've got an order. Let's send them a contract. Shit, we don't have contracts. We need to make a contract. Oh, they've asked for terms and conditions. Shit, we need to make terms and conditions. Oh, they've sued us. Fuck. Like, everything's just like a nightmare. Like, every day is like a nightmare after a nightmare after a nightmare for two years. Um, and you, you put on weight, you drink too much, all of that stuff. So... I've made it sound really bad, um, <laughs> but here's, here's the truth. It's, we won't get you to come and sell that. Yeah, no, I won't <laughs> be selling startup packages. No, listen, there's nothing better than crafting your skills of a startup. There isn't, but it is hard. There is no, if anyone tells you it, it isn't, they're, they're just lying or they ain't done it. So it's creating people around you and support systems that make it easier. What do I mean by that? Trying to go it alone is very tough. And that was probably one of the main mistakes I made starting out because I didn't have any money. I did everything on my own. If you can afford it, put great people around you. Put a board. Most startup companies don't have a board. Number one mistake. Every company, even if you're a sole trader or a one-man army, you need a board of directors. Now, that can be yourself and having your coach sit on your board as an advisor, your, uh, an industry expert, uh, someone, a support system. Hold yourself to account with monthly board meetings and understand the numbers of your business. I think the key reason that statistic of 95% of businesses failing in the first five years is they don't know the numbers of their company. People file one set of accounts every year and that's the set that goes off to company's house. That is friggin' crazy. That is craziness. When I started working with Alan Sugar, he told me that the key to running a successful business is knowing the numbers. If you know what the daily cash is, if you're small, the weekly cash, and you know what the monthly P&L is, your business can't fail. I'll say that again. If you know the numbers in the P&L of your business on a monthly basis, your business can't fail. Why? Because if you make a mistake in your company, a product's losing money, you made a bad investment choice, after four weeks, 30 days, your P&L will tell you about that mistake and you can reverse it or change it. If you're filing your accounts on a yearly basis, after 12 months, it's too late. You're fucked. You're dead in the water. 12 months is too long. Six months is too long. A quarter, if you're a small business, might be okay, but I'd say monthly is better. If you know the numbers and you have a board or a team like um, the guys here and coming, what tells me you're going to make it is you're here. If I'm completely frank with you, we get a bad reputation, us folks that come to these events, speak at these events, attend to these events. Do you know why? It's because everyone else is jealous and they see a reflection of themselves of what they should be doing or where they should be. I started coming to these events as a punter in the audience and it fucking changed my life. I went to an event like this at and Heath. Me. And me. And you, 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 I started, and my goal, I was sat at the back and I went and I was literally like exhilarated. My heart was racing because I was around people who were like-minded and had the same goals as me. I was hearing information I was interested in, not like at school. And my goal was, I don't want to be at the table. Next year, I want to be on the stage. 
And that should be all of your goals, by the way, to come here, whatever Adam's next thing is, do that, do that, do that, get up here with Adam. If you make that your goal, what a great goal that is. Uh, and, and the people in here will, will help you as well. But the fact you're here tells me you're going to be successful. But if you have the right people around you, you have a board and you know your numbers, I think for any startup, that will pretty much get you there if you're in the right industry. Great answer. Give me a round of applause as well. Now. Okay, we've got time for one more. You want to ask one? <laughs> yeah, if you want to, Paul. Yeah. Hi, mate. Uh, good to see you. Good to see you, mate. Uh, I thought you were going to share the message that um, Grant had on his uh, jet, on the mats on the floor. Do you remember it? Oh, uh, you can't. Uh, you can fake a Lambo, but you can't fake a jet. <laughs> that was pretty good. So amazing message that Grant put there. But listen, just for the people in the audience here uh, and how successful you've been since you've been uh, winning The Apprentice, how important has networking been to you as a business? It's been essential. Um, it's been essential. And not the networking um, that most people think is networking, which is going to these shoddy breakfasts that people do at 7 o'clock in the morning where everyone's just pitching their own bullshit. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a waste of time and the only people who are making money is the people you're paying for your membership. This is proper networking, where you come for people who pay money. Why is it important to pay money? Trust me, we don't make money from this sort of stuff. We, we make more money from businesses. We come and speak because we get a, I get a lot out of this, out of helping you guys. I get more than any money I could ever uh, produce. But when you pay money to come to an event like this, it tells Adam and I, you're serious. You're serious. Anyone can come and sit in a room for 50 quid or for free. When you put a few grand on the line, you commit yourself to listen and to implement what's said. And that's really, really bloody important. Because if, you, if this was a tenner to be here, you'd sort of be on Facebook and you'd be thinking, how many orders have we got today? And, oh, yeah, he's got some bullet points up there, whatever. And who's this Australian guy? You're not really <laughs> there. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's super important and the only people that I normally will invest in is someone who's paid to come and see me speak because I know they've got the right mentality to pay for growth and to put themselves um, in that right environment. And when I talk about networking, I network with purpose. When I go to an event, I look at who's going to be at the event and I target people who has got my money, right? I'm going to go after someone that I know can better where I am. Who's the rich person in the room? Who's got some shit that I don't understand? I want to go and I'm not going to just waft around and talk about any old bullshit with the poor people in the room. I'm after the key folks. So I'm like an assassin there to go and <laughs> get the right people. And that's how I've ended up working with Alan for so long. Or, you know, if you look at my Rolodex of contacts and the people that I've been speaking to this week, at one point this week by Wednesday, the people... No one who'd call my mobile phone wasn't a billionaire by Wednesday. And I thought, that's pretty cool. Um, because successful people hang out with successful people and then you start knowing more successful people. So network, yes. Networking is important. But network with purpose and in the right environments, definitely. Network up, definitely. Big round of applause. Well done. Thank you very much. Look, I think it's been, Mark, been absolutely amazing. Hey, everybody. Adam here. And I hope you loved today's episode. Hope you thought it was fabulous. And if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favor. 
could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review of course i'll be super grateful if that is a five star review we're putting our all into this podcast for you delivering you the content giving you the secrets and if you've enjoyed it please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is perhaps every single month i select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive academy days and have lunch with me on the day meeting hundreds of my clients so if you want that to be you then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on itunes please of course do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes peace and love and i'll see you very very soon thank you